Instead, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, powered by Sewer Ninja's No Dig Sewer Repair and presented by ERA, My Pro Realty in Brookfield. Let's go. Welcome in. This is the 414 Sports Podcast, powered by Sewer Ninjas, No Dig Sewer Repair, and presented by ERA, My Pro Realty, in Brookfield. I'm Don Wachillis. Thank you so much for logging in and joining us on what was a pretty sport-intensive Labor Day weekend, especially in the world of college football. And that's where we're going to spend a great deal of our time today. We had some storylines, both on and off the field. We'll get into the Badgers here in just a moment. The Packers, obviously, we'll talk more about as the week progresses as they'll open the season this weekend against the Minnesota Vikings. We get the NFL kickoff coming on Thursday, so we'll touch on that a little bit a little later in the week. The Brewers, yes, they got a nice win yesterday in Colorado after dropping three or four to the Diamondbacks, and and here's here's our baseball take for this episode. It's over. It just is. Bless the Brewers' hearts. They've given us another winning season. They've played decent baseball at times, but this is a team offensively that has simply underperformed all season long. The pitching has been spectacular at times and kept them in games when they probably shouldn't have been in games, and now that pitching staff is looking tired and worn out and heading down this home stretch the final few weeks of the regular season. This is a team that still has a chance for a wild card berth, but it's not a team necessarily I think that anybody anticipates to make a strong run once the playoffs get going. Before we get into our college football talk, and specifically the Wisconsin Badgers, we want to thank Sewer Ninjas for jumping on board and being our sponsor here on the 414 Sports Podcast. Sewer Ninjas dedicated to solving sewer issues with the latest no-dig sewer repair technology to minimize the cost and disruption to you, the consumer. Their sewer relining experts are there to help. They're a local family-owned business, and they take pride in every single job that they do, large or small. So if you need help, Turn to the drain and sewer experts in the Milwaukee area and give them a call at 414-250-8605. At some point in a home, the sewer lines have issues because they age. And like anything else, they'll need repair. And now what Sewer Sewer Ninjas is able to do is take care of that problem without digging up your entire yard and by the fact that they don't have to dig up your entire yard they can reduce the cost and give you the same high level quality repair that was done you know five ten years ago where they dug up the entire yard they don't have to do that anymore so if you're experiencing something like that once again give them a call 414-250-8605 and if you're looking to sell or buy a home in southeastern Wisconsin, 
check out ERA My Pro Realty in Brookfield. Let's talk about our Wisconsin Badgers, who got a nice 38 to nothing win against Illinois State the other night. And the one thing that I will say about the Badgers, and I know sometimes you'll hear on the national perspective that you know guys don't want to watch games where teams are playing FCS schools or cupcake schools or however you want to phrase it. I don't know if I necessarily need the Badgers to have three of those games before the Big Ten season starts, but I'm glad they started with Illinois State, who played a formidable game. Listen, they just don't have the same talent Wisconsin does, but they hung in there the best they could. And I saw what happened last year with this Badger team when they opened up against the likes of Penn State, throw Notre Dame in early on, throw Michigan in early on, and they lost those games, and they were in all those games, but they never got over the hump, and they lost their confidence, and it seemed as if they had lost their way and their confidence moving forward in the Big Ten season. They need games like Illinois State, for whatever reason the Badgers do, to kind of get the train moving, to kind of get that momentum going as they head towards the Big Ten. It was a fabulous a fabulous game in many ways, and yet there were other aspects that you looked at and go, yep, there's some things that need to be fine-tuned moving forward. So let's start in kind of reverse order because, yes, we were all looking at Graham Mertz, and we're going to talk about him in a moment. But the season looked as if it could get a little shaky early on as the defense had been on the field for 15 plays and nearly nine minutes in the onset of the game. Illinois State had gotten down to the Badger nine-yard line, and then out of nowhere, the first score of this 2022 campaign came on the defensive side of the ball as Torchio comes up with a huge interception. Let's listen to Matt LaPay from the Badger Radio Network, courtesy of Learfield Sports. Four-man rush, and he said five. Oh, Leno picked off the goal line to the five, to the 10, 15, 20. Torchio to the 30. He's to the 40. Torchio to the 50. 45, 40. 35, 30. He's to the 20, to the 10, to the 5. And the jewelry thief is in. Touchdown, Wisconsin, coast to coast on the pick six. Once again, that's Matt LaPay on the Badger Sport Network, courtesy of Learfield Sports. So the first... Touchdown of the season comes from John Torchio as he goes coast to coast with the interception. And then that was followed up by one of the players I think a lot of us were focused on once again, and that's Braylon Allen to see what his season would look like here at the start. When all was said and done, he would carry the ball 14 times for 148 yards. He would get two touchdowns, but it was his first touchdown that had everybody jumping out of their seat. So once again, we go to Matt LaPay, the Badger Sports Network, courtesy of Learfield Sports. Hand off to Braylon Allen, up the middle, slips through, at the 10, he's at the 20, at the 30, Allen to the 40, foot race to the house, he's at the 40, at the 30, right side 20, 10, 5, touchdown Wisconsin! Braylon Allen, 96 yards! I say it all the time. When I grow up, I want to be Matt LaPay. He does such an awesome job. We are so blessed here in southeastern Wisconsin and the state of Wisconsin to have guys like Matt LaPay 
and Brian Anderson and all of the play-by-play guys. We have some of the best play-by-play guys you'll find anywhere in the country, and Matt LaPay is definitely one of them. Once again, Matt LaPay on the Badger Sports Network, courtesy of Learfield with Braylon Allen's call. And then again, our focus shifted towards, obviously, Graham Mertz. This is the year everybody expects Graham Mertz now to kind of put it all together. We, we've seen what Graham Mertz could do. We've talked about it. Everybody's talked about it in his first game against Illinois. COVID hits. He never really kind of regains his composure. Last year was all over the place. So going into this season, it was all about can Graham Mertz live up to the potential that was in play. Remember, Graham Mertz was a four-star recruit at Ohio State, among some other big dog-type universities were after. He ends up at Wisconsin. And so Graham Mertz gets into that Illinois State game and actually played pretty well. He goes 14 of 16. He hits seven different receivers, throws for 219 yards, four one touchdown, so 219 and a touchdown. But the biggest stat out of all of it was the fact that he had no interceptions. And Graham Mertz not having interceptions, which was one of the things that dogged him so many times last year, was one of those earmarks you looked at and went, okay, maybe, just maybe, we're heading in the direction that everyone thought he could produce at, to, whatever the verb is that I'm supposed to throw in there. Mert's efficiency was at a 223.1. That's his third best in his career now while at Wisconsin. Only his game against Illinois and Rutgers last year did he perform efficiency-wise at a higher rate. So Graham Mertz played at a much higher level than what we saw last year. So between John Torchio's interception that went coast-to-coast, Braylon Allen being Braylon Allen, and Graham Mertz, as we noted, throwing the ball at 1.7 different receivers, hitting 13 consecutive passes in a row, his accuracy was much better. His reads seemed much better. It seemed as if he had no problem checking down and moving through his progressions, which was something he struggled with last year. Now, there were a couple of instances where it appeared as if he just hung on to the ball too long, where he didn't make that initial read and pull the trigger on a particular pass, and it set up situations where, once again, he was running for his life. Now, Illinois State, again, a fairly decent opponent, but they're not Big Ten. So you got to start getting some of these things right. You know, Braylon Allen's run, that 96-yard run, which was spectacular, I don't know if that happens, let's say, against a Michigan or Ohio State. Those guys are going to wrap up. Illinois State didn't. And to Braylon Allen's credit, he took advantage of it and went for 96 yards. But again, this is why I think it's always so important for a team like the Badgers, to have these FCS opponents in week one before things start really gearing up. They just are a team that needs to gather their confidence and get some momentum going. And I think they showed that's exactly what they're planning on doing moving through the season. Now, I have no expectations for the Wisconsin Badgers. I wish them well. 
I root for them like there's no tomorrow. But every time I have expectations for this team, they seemingly fall flat on their face. So the fact of the matter is, if I withhold expectations, if I just take it week by week, I'm hoping that's what will kind of keep the ball rolling. It just seems that whenever I think of um, the Badgers from a football and basketball perspective, when I have high expectations, they seemingly fall flat. And when I just kind of go into the year seeing how each week progresses, that's when they, they do their best, and that's the approach I'm taking going into this season. Now, they'll get back on the gridiron, back on the field on Saturday. They're going to take on Washington State. The game can be seen on Fox. It's a 2.30 kick from Camp Randall. So now the next two weeks, we get out of the FCS opponents, and we get teams like Washington State, New Mexico State. Again, not necessarily powerhouses when we think of football, but yet they're going to be a better caliber of opponent than what we saw from Illinois State as they now then will be prepping for Ohio State on September 24th in which they have to travel to the horseshoe for that. So a nice win by the Badgers in the midst of all of the games taking place this weekend. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side of the break, we're going to get into one of the games that for me stood out in the midst of a bunch of key matchups over this weekend that kind of highlighted a really nice start to the college football season. And it so goes that it's a coach of one of the teams who left the Midwest and suddenly went down south and for a while had himself a Louisiana accent that was suddenly gone by the end of the game the other night. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. We're also going to talk about the fact that the college presidents got together and decided to expand the college playoff system, and that people have spoken with regards to that. I think I've got a little bit of a different twist as to why I'm happy we're heading into expansion when it comes to the college football playoff scenario. That's all coming up. Let's take a quick break first. especially what took place nationally over the weekend, the kickoff weekend for college football, week one now in the books. But before we get there, this segment being brought to you by ERA, my pro realty in Brookfield. If you're looking to buy or sell your home, check out my pro realty, ERA, my pro realty, and you can find them at myprorealty.com. Some of the best agents that you will find anywhere in this part of the state, a family-owned business that will really give you that personal touch that you need, especially when you're trying to buy or sell your home. With all of the games that took place this past weekend, you had the likes of Ohio State and Notre Dame. Turned out to be a great game. Unfortunately, if you're a Notre Dame fan, you came up on the short end, but they hung in there. They played tough. There are question marks now with the way Notre Dame 
was able to stay in that game. Can Ohio State be beaten somewhere along the Big Ten? Those will be the stories being written moving forward. We had the likes of Florida and Utah, which was a fantastic game on Saturday night. You also had Saturday afternoon North Carolina and Appalachian State. Appalachian State has become a major factor in these non-conference matchups. They are a tough out. They put 40 on the board in the fourth quarter against the Tar Heels of North Carolina, lost by one at home, almost obviously came back with a miraculous win. But Appalachian State, after getting themselves on the map in beating Michigan now, what is it, 15 years ago probably, has seemingly kept their recruiting going. It's a beautiful campus sitting there in the mountains. And because of their ability to recruit to that university, they have been obviously competitive in these non-conference affairs and have made a name for themselves. And making a name for yourself and what that does for recruiting, I'm going to get into that a little bit later when we talk about now this expansion with regards to college football. But the game for me, the one I was waiting for, took place on Sunday night, and that was LSU in Florida State. Brian Kelly, who came into LSU with one of the worst Southern accents that you could manifest in order to try and feel like you're a part of something. Matter of fact, let's listen to Brian Kelly after being hired by LSU in talking to the basketball fans, showed up at a basketball game to kind of rah-rah, here I am. But listen to the accent. It's one for the ages. It's a great night to be a Tiger. I'm here with my family, and we are so excited to be in the great state of Louisiana, but more importantly, to be with you great fans, and to be part of what is going to be an incredible ride here at Louisiana State University. Now, I will be the last one to think that because of what took place on Sunday, is the death nail for LSU. That is a team that's going to win some games. Brian Kelly is a good coach. It, it was just the, I, to me, it was insincere that you would walk into a place and suddenly kind of manifest this Southern accent to feel accepted. And you'll hear the difference when I play a clip from his post-game interview after the loss to Florida State. Listen to his tone. Listen to the way he speaks in relation to the clip we just played from last year. So Brian Kelly's team comes up on the short end as they fall 24-23 in one of the most zany ends to a game. Now, we've spent the entire offseason talking about NIL realignment. We've talked about the Big Ten and their restructuring of their television contract and all the money that was flowing in. And Again, in the midst of all this change, you know, many people will think the world is coming to an end, and with the world coming to the end, college football will never be the same, yada, yada, yada. And then we get a game like we saw between LSU and Florida State, and you're reminded why we love college football. So LSU plays pretty pathetically for the most part of that game. Florida State is in control. Florida State is up, they have to kick, LSU with a minute and change on the clock, 
The kid is back there. He muffs the return. Florida State jumps on it. Now Florida State jumps on it and gets the ball on the eight-yard line. If Florida State can score, this thing is over. It is done. All they have to do is score. They march it down to about the two-yard line in a couple of plays, and unexplicably, Florida State calls for a little quick toss into the backfield. The quarterback, all he had to do was take the snap and fall forward, and I'm not blaming the quarterback, and I'm not blaming the running back on this. I'm blaming the play calling on this. It's up to the adults in the building to figure out what play will work the best and keep things in such a perspective that you're not going to jeopardize an opportunity to win a big game. And that play calls exactly what happened. Whether it was the toss, whether it was the young man trying to receive the toss, it should have never occurred on the two-yard line, and it did. LSU gets the ball. LSU proceeds to go 99 yards in a minute five. Jaden Daniels connects with Jare Jenkins for a touchdown. No time on the clock. The extra point would tie, sent to overtime, and that's when Florida State got the play of the day when their special teams was able to block the extra point, and they come away with the 24-23 victory. Before we comment a little bit on that special teams play, I want you to listen to head coach Brian Kelly, not only listen to what he has to say, but listen to the voice. It's a little bit different. I would consider more of a sense of urgency, um, you know, with the last 12 minutes. But, uh, you know, our margin for error was, was so small um, that we couldn't make any more mistakes. Um, I was proud of our resolve. Um, we battled, um, but, you know, we, we, we just have to learn how to play the game um, the right way, and that is for four quarters. Um, we, we didn't play with um, the kind of sense of urgency that I want uh, for four quarters, and that was evident in our play. We didn't tackle very well. We couldn't get off the field on third down. Um, we didn't execute very well um, offensively. Um, we had two turnovers in, um, in, in our punt return game which we thought would be an asset for us. And then we had a blocked field goal and, and uh, a blocked extra point. Uh, anytime you have those kinds of situations, you're setting yourself up for uh, a long night. And despite all of those things, I stand here in front of you with an opportunity to, to bring the game into an overtime situation. So um, what we did well is we battled. Um, I'm proud of the way we battled. What obviously we need to do better is play with a sense of urgency for four quarters, which we did not. Um, what we learned is we've got to coach better. I mean, we, we've got to have our kids um, coached in, in a manner where um, they're ready, and, and I'm accountable for that. And um, we have to have them tackling better, executing better in all phases. So that's head coach Brian Kelly after – his debut loss with the LSU Tigers. Now, again, is it the end of the world? No. This team has the ability to run the table. There are questions all across the board with regards to special teams, with regards to play calling. You've got an All-American wide receiver who didn't touch the ball 
till almost the end of the game who looked absolutely frustrated. Butte looked absolutely frustrated and kind of checked himself out mentally. It, that's how it looked visually to many watching the game. And so there are a number of corrections that need to be made, and yet I guess I find myself being real petty listening to that post-game presser and listening to Coach you know, a few months back when he was just hired with his fake LSU accent, that already had, for me, red flags that this could be some trouble. Now, Brian Kelly's a real good football coach, and so he's going to have to overcome some things now and kind of get that fan base back on his side because that fan base down at LSU will turn on you in a heartbeat if they don't see you trying to get in your winning ways that you promised that fan base when you were hired. And then the blocked extra point. And here's why I bring this up, and I'll and I'll close with this before we get into, we'll take a quick break and then get into uh, the college football expansion and my little twist on that. But somebody on social media, and I apologize because I was looking for it before I was putting this podcast together, and I want to give credit to that individual, and I couldn't find it. But on Saturday night, they had, on Saturday night, I'm sorry, on Sunday night, Labor Day weekend has me all messed up. On Sunday night, somebody tweeted out the block by Florida State, and right above it, in kind of a split-screen thing, they had the block that San Francisco had when they kind of took the Packers out of the playoffs last year at Lambeau Field, and the move is the same. Special team coordinators are going to have to watch this and really drill into their wing players when we're talking about extra points and field goals on how to block because special team coordinators who are looking to block kicks have found a hole in some teams, a weakness, and they're capitalizing on it, and we saw it absolutely take the Packers out of the playoffs last year and we saw LSU go down with it on Sunday night let's take a quick break as we'll have more college football coming up this weekend and I am all for it but there was some news that took place that shocked many people and that is the presidents of the universities who are a part of the committee with regards to the football playoff system reconvened and walked out of there saying, yeah, we're going to expand and we're going to get to that in just a moment. Welcome back. This segment, once again, being brought to you by Sewer Ninjas, the no-dig sewer repair. They are dedicated to solving your sewer issues with the latest no-dig sewer repair technology to minimize cost and disruption. Their ability to get in there and take care of the business at hand without digging up your front yard and to do so at a fraction of of the cost of what some other companies offer is one reason why you need to give 
Sewer Ninjas a call, a local family-owned business that takes pride in every job, large or small. If that's something that you need done at your homestead, give Sewer Ninjas a call at 414-250-8605. All right, so in this segment, as we begin to wrap things up for this particular episode, one of the news breaks that occurred back on Friday was the fact that the CFP board sat down and unanimously, this was going to be the sticking point throughout this process because the presidents had to unanimously approve an expansion with regards to the college football playoffs. Now, they would be, oh, how can I politely say this? I'll say it this way. The elevator was not going to be going up to the 11th floor had they not walked out of there with some form of college football playoff expansion. There were some hurdles going in and some things yet that really haven't been written about as far as how they plan to resolve them. One of them is the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl wants to be continually a player on New Year's Day, so that was a hurdle that had to be addressed. I haven't necessarily read, heard, or seen how that will look in the future, but I know that was a sticking point going in. But if those bow ties were going to sit around that table and walk away from the kind of financial wherewithal that they would experience with a football playoff expansion, something something wasn't right. And fortunately, cooler heads prevailed. They're going to work through some of those issues. And in 2026, we're going to see college football expansion from four to 12. Now, there is talk already that they're trying to push that up into 2024, but we know for sure by 2026, you're going to get 12 teams instead of four. And what does that mean? You're going to get six of the conference champions, and then you're going to get six at-large bids. Now, the good thing for a team, let's say like Notre Dame or LSU, Teams that lost this past weekend, when you're looking at a conference championship and the potential for six more at-large bids, losing a game or even losing two games once we get to that point does not mean you have been wiped off the face of this earth when it comes to the college football playoffs. Right now, the likes of Utah and LSU, any, any thought of them making it into the college football playoffs has greatly diminished by losing week one, which is a shame the way the current system is because we saw a team like Utah last year that struggled early and then caught fire down the backstretch and gave Ohio State a heck of a game in the Rose Bowl. That would be even more enhanced with the fact that you've now got 12 teams as far as the playoffs go, and a team like Utah, you would have to figure, would find themselves gaining one of those spots. So teams now will have a better opportunity to reach the playoffs. Now, of course, you're going to get those who immediately say, listen, if let's say Wisconsin were to get in and they were to take on Alabama or they were to take on Georgia, they're going to get run right out of the stadium. And, you know, as it stands right now, yes. But here's the take I'm going to go with with college football playoff expansion, and that is this. I am not a huge fan of the fact that basketball now is what 68 teams I think it's a little bit too large but let's even just take it when it expanded to 64 
and you saw teams getting automatic berths from smaller conferences and getting a chance. And yes, they get a chance, and many a times in that first round, they get run out of the gym, except for a couple years ago, I remember a 16 beating a 1 when Virginia went down. And what it's done is created a greater level of parity. Now, we can argue about the importance of the regular season in college basketball, but as far as parity goes, you've got some of these teams like uh, George Mason. You, you just look up any mid-major, and suddenly when we get on the basketball court, those teams have a chance because of their ability then to recruit when they go to a recruit's house and say, listen, we, we make it to the tournament, and I could use you on the floor to help me take that next step. That's got much better cachet than to say, you know, we, we try really hard and we're hoping one day to make it. And the fact that expansion took place in basketball, it's allowed more teams to go into a recruit's house and say, listen, we get there, and we could use your help in getting even further. What it will do for college football is the same. If we sit at 12, and I'm not looking for it to go to 16, 20, 24, whatever the case may be, it can stay at 12. But that means every year there are more teams now that will make the playoffs. And yes, initially, some of them are going to get run right out of the stadium. But as time goes on, the parity that Nick Saban talks so much about during the offseason, that parity will come to fruition. We're going to see more teams have the likes of the Alabamas and the Ohio States and the Clemsons of the world that don't have it right now because they have absolutely dominated the college playoff system the way it stands. Expand it, more teams in, greater access, greater access to some of those athletes now who will choose, let's say, and I'm going to throw Wisconsin in there and I'm just doing it because I'm a homer, they may choose Wisconsin over in Alabama, now knowing that Wisconsin's got a greater chance of getting to the playoffs. And once you get in, who knows? This isn't, this isn't like the NBA or Major League Baseball or the NHL where it's a best-of-seven series. Football and college basketball. Now, when I say football, I'm talking about pro and college. And college basketball, it's one and done. And on any given Sunday... Like the old movie used to say, on any given Sunday or any given Saturday with college football, you just don't know. So the fact that the CFP board got together, they're going to expand this thing. I'm glad it's set in stone for 2026, and I really do hope that we will see it in 2024. Well, that will do it for this episode of the 414 Sports Podcast. As always, thank you so much for logging in and joining us. Once again, my thanks to Sewer Ninjas and ERA My Pro Realty in Brookfield for coming on board as sponsors to our podcast. Thank you for listening. Go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button. And until we talk later in the week, I'm Don Wachillis. Take care of each other.